All right. Hey there, party people. I am not sure why I called you party people, but we're going to be talking about sticky content today. And maybe it's because it's a great day out here in Portland, but I am all about pumping up and delivering today. So let's do it. Welcome to the Know, Like, and Trust show with Brittany Gardner, the podcast where we explore the world of personal branding and how to build your know, like, and trust factor up for ultimate business success. And now here's your host, Brittany Gardner. All right, sticky content. You might be wondering what that is. Content by itself is anything that comes out of your mouth or keyboard or pen and is seen or heard by somebody else, preferably someone you desire working with, but realistically seen by anyone. Now, sticky content is taking that to a next level, and that's what this whole episode is going to be about. But content by itself, depending on your niche, it could be anything from a social media post, a video, a podcast, blog post, anything that you're producing, whether it's talking about your business or not. It could be you sharing that you went to the gym this morning. It could be you sharing you just finished listening to a fantastic podcast. It doesn't have to actually be about your business, your services, or your offerings. It's just things you share. Sticky content depends on knowing your best person, your best client really, really well. And you guys, you can't do that unless you stick to your brand your offer, and your best client. That right there, that is the trifecta. You've got to stick to those three. You've got to be consistent and stay true to how you have defined those things to make sure that your content is sticky. Sticky content is the kind of content that hours after reading or viewing or or listening to it, your audience is still thinking about it. And sticky content is the stuff that converts lookers into buyers. You know, action takers. It's also the kind of content that you're going to want to revisit yourself as you put content out again and again, even if it feels repetitive to you. It won't feel repetitive to your audience because realistically, most of your audience is not seeing or hearing your content on a regular basis. Look at your email open rates. Look at how far your Instagram posts are reaching or even worse, your organic Facebook posts. They're not getting to a lot of people, so you need to revisit your sticky content often. So, How do you make sticky content? Let's break it down. Let's talk about first who you are. Now, I am going to break this up into three categories. It's going to be your personality, your core values, and your experience. Who you are actually encompasses like way more things than that. Many more things. But realistically, when it comes to marketing, at least, these are going to be the things that really move the needle. They're going to be the things that matter as a personal brand or you know, as a business owner who is marketing your services online. All right. So first, your personality. We've probably all taken one of these tests, you know, the Myers-Briggs, the Fascinate Profile, the Strengths Finder, Enneagram, DISC. I've done them all. And honestly, I love them all too. I, I really geek out on this kind of stuff. In fact, just yesterday, someone posted on social media on an Instagram post, a graph comparing introverts and extroverts against Enneagram types. And since I'm an eight wing seven, I looked at eights, only 33% of those are introverted like me. And then sevens, where only 16% are introverted like me. And I realized once again, I am super rare. So I shared the post and posted about it. So just like being a female INTJ on Myers-Briggs is super rare, and I posted about that, I posted this, and I started wondering, I'm not sure if an affinity for celebrating that loner status is 
part of either one of those personality descriptions, but I clearly lean that way. So now I'm super curious about it. All that aside, though, knowing your personality is the first step to showing it and showing it appropriately. So if you're the kind of person who likes to carefully manage your appearance and reputation, you're going to want to know how to show both your strengths and your weaknesses in a way that works for your marketing. Some of you are going to want to keep that closer to the vest. Some of you guys are going to want to be really upfront with it. You have to know what it is first, though, before you start making those decisions. All right, so next is your core values. Often your core values are going to go hand in hand with your personality indicators, but not necessarily. One of my core values, for example, is mastery. And that is totally expected as a strategist, as a challenger, always wanting to improve things. But another one of my core values is beauty, and that's definitely not an expected eight or INTJ value. But, you know, my appreciation for all things beautiful flows into my content every day. If you've seen anything I put out there, you've probably realized this. I'm going to end up posting a snowy landscape as a creative for an ad, or maybe I'll, you know, be driving along the road and get super distracted by the pretty clouds. Those are the kinds of things that happen in my everyday life. So they often end up becoming examples in what I am doing in my content. The things I'm showing my students and my clients always loop around to beauty in the end because it's one of my values. So if one of your core values is loyalty, for example, you're going to want to find ways to talk about that in your content that shows it as an attribute for your audience. Remember, what's in it for them? You always have to tie it into something that's going to benefit your people for them to be interested in it. So maybe having someone believe in them is really a big deal for your clients. That's a huge draw. How can you show and tell that in your content? Or maybe fun is one of your values. I have a girlfriend and fun is one of her big values. There are ways to inject humor in almost any piece of content. Sure, of course, but how could you explore showing fun in other ways? That fun value can come across in many ways, many kinds of content that you're putting out there. Maybe your next challenge would include some really off-the-wall exercises. Maybe you're going to have a podcast guest on your show that's there just for the fun of it, not necessarily there to teach a lesson because you feel like people need a break and have more fun in their lives. There's so many ways that you could do this. And the key, of course, is doing it so that it serves your audience. All right. And then finally, for that who are you piece, it's your experience. So I want to put a little caveat out here because your experience is all of the things in your past, not just what you've done for work. But I've yet to meet an entrepreneur that's only ever done one thing. Most of us have tried many different things. Some of us have tried many different businesses, but it's the combination of all of those things that you've done and that you're doing that really set you apart from any competition in your world. So maybe you set up shop and you notice a new competitor right away. And then after digging a little bit, you realize, oh my gosh, we actually went to the same school and we've both taken the same certification. Hmm. That sounds pretty competitive, right? But on paper, you're the same and you bring the same offer to the table for your clients and your audience as that other person. But I don't think it's actually true. No, it's not true at all. It's the projects you chose to do during your school projects. It's the clients that you've worked with since then that you applied that certification to that really taught you the lessons of that certification. It's always going to be how you have implemented along the way. So you could have the exact same education and work experience as someone and still have a completely different way of working. And that right there, that experience is what you're bringing to the table. So I'm going to go back to that personality type thing here. Why do I always bring up my strategist personality type? 
I'm the architect in Myers-Briggs and the challenger in Neogram. And the combination of those is like, hello, strategy extraordinaire. Why do I bring that up so often? Well, it's one of the ways I can easily demonstrate my experience isn't just in the creative world or just in the analytical world. It's both. And you can see it right in my personality typing. On paper, it's probably not going to be a natural leap to realize that as I build a client's funnel, I excel not only at the offer strategy, but also copywriting and design. On paper, of course, they are totally different things and using very different parts of the brain. But when I tie that into that strategist, architect, challenger personality, and my work history in both photography and design, it all kind of makes sense. And this right here, for the record, if you're a multi-passionate, is really important. I've met so many multi-passionate people who think, well, I have to just choose one because everyone's telling me to niche. No, you don't have to choose one skill. You have to choose one way of working with your clients and quite possibly one very specific kind of client who needs that variety in skill sets. That is how you build a business built on many passions and many skills and theoretically disparate elements and bring it all together in a way that really makes sense so that your personality, your core values, and your experience come together and flesh out, build out that really complete brand, that personal brand you're building online to sell your products and your services and whatever it is that you are offering. So if you guys had a job, a corporate job, an office job, a retail job, whatever it was before striking out on your own, you had a whole parcel of experience in that job. If you owned another business before your current one, that's another layer you can add to it. All of those things come together in what you offer today. And that leads right into your brand promise and offer, which is uber important and also very confusing to most people. So let's break that one down too. What is your brand promise? That's fancy marketing speak for asking, what do you promise your clients will get as a result of working with you and also your audience of hanging out with you? For example, I promise my clients authentic automated marketing. It's authentic for all of the reasons we've just gone over in the who are you section. It's incorporating your personality, your values, your experience, and it's automated so that you don't burn out and generating all that authentic content. I help clients with content systems content strategy leading to their funnels, and ultimately a steady stream of lead generation from those funnels. That is my promise. All of my offers from the show up system to content lab to the biz GPS intensive and the custom proposal work that often results from the intensive, they all fall under that authentic automated marketing promise. And they all lead one into the other from a value ladder perspective which all leads to our third thing that's important for sticky content, and that is your best client. I have previously done entire episodes just on the concept of your best client. I don't like the term ideal client avatar. I don't like it at all because it sets up a wall between you and the human you are serving, and that's never a good situation when you're building relationships, especially online where things can already be a little bit cold in the first place. But sticky content depends on you knowing where you, your offer, and your best client meet. I've said in a recent episode called Strong Marketing, How to Lead, it was episode number 128, that strength in marketing really just depends on three things. One, knowing what you're really good at. Two, being so good at it, you can't not help others with it. And then three, finally, learning how to talk about it. That is what marketing is right there, just those three things. And we can complicate it in many, many ways. 
But that's really what it distills down to in the end. Knowing what you're really good at comes from knowing who you are and mixing those three elements, the personality, core values, and experience together. Being really good at it comes from that experience. And then learning to talk about it comes from knowing your best client in and out. Who is that person that you can not only help, but help so well that the work feels effortless? Who is the person that has a problem that you are so good at solving that is the easiest part of your day? That is the person who you talk to. That's your best client. That person is also, FYI, who you listen to when you're making offer decisions and changes. No one else matters. Not your spouse, not your mom, not your best friend, not even your business coach, unless they're pointing out a flaw in what you're doing, of course. But really what it comes down to is your best client is who you're talking to. So they are the ones who really determine your marketing message. It could be the coolest marketing message in the world, you guys. It could be all the effort. It could be all the expertise. It could have all the cool things you've always wanted it to contain. But if it doesn't convert because it doesn't speak to your best client, it doesn't matter. This right here is why all of us marketers bang on about niches so often. When you have a really clear picture of who you're helping and the mindset that they are bringing to the table about whatever problem that you're solving, all other decisions become so much easier. So I want to share a personal experience story with this. Last month, one of my current clients sent me the loveliest of emails. So lovely, it now sits in my nice emails folder for you know when I inevitably have a bad day down the road. And it said, after she told me how well her launch went, she said, more than one of them, her students, said, it was like Google was reading my texts. It was exactly what I needed to see at just the right time. I loved reading this email, not only because it's nice to know that things are actually working and my clients see the brilliance of all the plans that we spent so much time putting together. Obviously, that's nice. But also because that email wasn't out of the blue. I engineered it. I didn't ask my client to send that email over, but when we created the marketing for her group coaching launch, we wrote it to that one best client. We used our finger pointy language directed at that best client's particular mindset. Now, one of the clients that joined her group coaching program is also in the process of starting her own business. And since my client's marketing spoke so well to her, she asked my client for, you know, my contact information. So Of course, I love referrals. I always love them, but I like them even better when they come this way because now I know this new client already gets how I work. I know that when I suggest getting finger pointy in marketing for her business, she's going to remember how called out in a good way she felt and how it worked, and she's not going to have resistance against this marketing plan. So you might be thinking at this point, great, but what do I say to get to that finger pointy level? It's both easy and it's hard. You've got to know your best client. And for that, you have to be consistent in your brand and your offer so that your best client is also consistent. Because yes, friends, if you change your offer or your brand promise, your best client will also shift with that. And getting to know that best client really intimately so well that it does feel like Google's reading their texts depends on you having spent some time with them, time with their mindset, time with their problems, time with their results, time with what they're saying along the way as they move through solving that problem. Remember, your best client is the person you can most easily help with a certain problem. It's kind of like that movie Taken. Liam Neeson has this quote. If you've seen the movie Taken, you know exactly what I'm about to say. I'm going to read it off to you. He says, 
If you are looking for ransom, I can tell you that I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills, skills I have acquired over a very long career, skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. End quote. Of course, we're not nightmares. We're unicorns because with the match of our particular set of skills and our best client's particular problem, we are the unicorn solver of that problem. I like that quote, though, because when you hear him say it, if you've seen the movie, he enunciates it way better than I do. He says, but what I do have are a very particular set of skills, skills I have acquired over a very long career. And I want you to think about that, that statement when you're talking with your best client, because they need something from you. They have this problem, whatever it is. And whatever that problem is, your skills, your knowledge, your expertise is what they need. You just need to learn how to talk about it. Going back to what marketing is, that final step is learning how to talk about what you are so good at. You can't help not help them, right? So that is that unicorn mode right there. And because I like to close with an action item, I want to give you a little taste of that unicorn sticky content. So here's a quick exercise. If you don't know what to say to market your business, ask yourself these questions that I'm about to say. What does your best client need to hear to help them think differently about their problem, to help pull them out of whatever rut they're in? How can you start that thinking change so that you naturally become part of the solution? Usually, for the record, that answer is by giving them a quick win. And then how can you meet them where they're at so that your solution can even become part of their world? Remember, if you're really good at what you're doing, they might think that you are so far beyond them, they're never going to be able to learn from you. So let's give an example of this. If you're going to sell a product or a service that solves a level five problem, that's, you know, severity out of one through 10, a level five problem, your audience is probably mostly filled with level two people. That is, they're aware they have a problem, but they're only just starting to think about searching for a solution. And realistically, they've got a lot of growing to do. If that's the case, then you need to put out content that one, acknowledges where they're at right now, two, shows that you also were there at one point, three, gives them a quick win and progression to level three, maybe even level four, and then next, shows them that level five and beyond are now attainable and not so far off from where they're at right now. And then finally, fifth, you want to demonstrate the value of being at level five. What does that do for them? Be very explicit here. What results will they gain? So you're going to start at that level two, say, I see that you're here. I was also there. Here's a quick win that's going to get you a little bit along the way here. And then they now understand that your solution, that level five solution, is something they can actually accomplish and receive value at when they get there. You've already captured their attention if they're looking at this content, but you need to keep them interested. That is what sticky content will do. And then once you've got their interest, you need to start building trust. And that's what demonstrating that value is going to do. A simple content system will allow you to do all of this consistently, but a content strategy is going to teach you how to do this. And then finally, your sticky content. That's the stuff you are actually sharing and putting out there in the world. That's what's going to keep those eyes on you until they are ready to buy, to solve their problem, and of course, hire you. All right, guys, that is all we have for today. I hope you found this information helpful. Sticky content is what has changed my business from 
trying, 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 hustling, 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 to having a steady stream of leads to the point where I am actually at capacity and work right now. So depending on when this episode actually airs, it's possible that if you want to work with me, you might get the message back. That's great. Let's start in two months. I don't know exactly when this is going to air yet, but I do want to tell you guys having the ability to stand in this place and say that is a wonderful place to be. And it's something I fought very hard to to get to for a very long time. And now that I'm here, looking back, it is sticky content. It's having a content system and a content strategy and that sticky content as a part of it that got me here. That is what actually moved the needle in my business. I want you to be able to say the same thing. All right, guys, see you next week. 